Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to the Prospect Podcast. I'm Ellen Halliday, Deputy Editor at Prospect, and today I'm joined by one of our incredible contributing editors, Isabel Hilton, who is a writer, editor, and broadcaster. She was the founder of China Dialogue, is a visiting professor at King's College London, and for the purposes of our discussion today, it's also worth knowing that she spent some time reporting in Argentina a number of years ago. That's key to today's episode because we're going to be talking about Argentina's new right-wing anarcho-capitalist president, Javier Millet, and what his election means for the world. Isabel, thanks so much for coming down. It's a pleasure. First of all, I think we might need to give a little introduction to Argentina's new president. He's a controversial figure, and the results of the election have caused quite a stir. The election was held on 22nd of October, the runoff was last weekend, and he got a pretty strong result, didn't he? So... Tell us, who, who is Millet and what was your initial reaction to, to the outcome? I was surprised that he won so convincingly, um, although it has to be said that he was up against the man who you could say was responsible for the economic mess that Argentina's in. So not an easy, not an easy platform to run on. Um, the current finance minister was also running for president. Millet is one of those figures that we see, you know, we see similar figures popping up in other countries. So, the, you know, he's often compared to uh, Bolsonaro or indeed to Trump. And they do seem to have things in common. He's got very peculiar hair. Uh, he, he's a very aggressive, uh, throws insults around very freely. He made his name on television. He's an economist who has four dogs all cloned from a previous dog and all uh, named after right-wing economists, beginning with Milton Friedman, lives with his sister. He's really quite an odd character to take a country by storm. He's odd too in, I guess, the extremity of the ideas that he proposed. So he wants to abolish the central bank. He wants to abolish at least half of, of Argentina's ministries. He he campaigned with a chainsaw as a kind of symbol of him cutting back on, on expenditure and waste and so on. And he promised to introduce the dollar as Argentina's currency. Now, all this is pretty fanciful in a way, but it fell on the ears of an electorate who absolutely weary and fed up of of recurring economic crises and i remember i reported on the the big sovereign default in argentina in 2001 and the and the slogan that was painted up on the walls and what you heard in the streets when people were demonstrating was que se vayan todos 
away with a lot of them. And that's the mood now. So however eccentric and unlikely and implausible his, his, his program seems, if it hits the mood of, you know, we've tried everything else, let's get rid of all of them. You know, he he seems like a kind of last throw of the dice. What's his background running up to this moment? How has he positioned himself as kind of this outsider? And Yes, he doesn't really... Ha- I mean, his party is only two years old and one of the problems he's going to have is that he doesn't have a very strong showing in Congress. So, you know, in neither House of Congress. So, you know, actually politically enacting the programme that he's presented is going to be quite difficult. But his background, he's he's an economist. But he he really, you know, he's a kind of showbiz figure. He doesn't have a very solid record as uh, an academic economist. He was uh, relatively recently became a congressman, but didn't have much to show, again, for his congressional record. He didn't, you know, he wasn't a particularly distinguished political figure. So there are many unknowns about him. Um, Among them, you know, how is he going to create and manage the kind of coalitions that he's going to need really to get anything done politically. So we'll see. You mentioned the kind of weariness of the Argentine population in relation to their economic, um, in the health of the economy, basically. Now, you wrote a piece for us before the election in which you sort of talked about that journey that Argentina's been on from having a strong economy comparable with Canada to kind of crashing multiple times. Can you tell us a bit about that journey and, and, you know, the journey that Argentines have therefore been on as well? Yes, I'm not sure I can explain it, but I can certainly describe it. I mean, one one economist famously said, you know, there are three different kinds of economy in the world and then there's Argentina, which is, so it's always sort of stood out as a, as a peculiar basket case. But at the turn of the 20th century, Argentina was rich. You know, people flocked in from Europe. It attracted, you know, large numbers of, of immigrants, as did Canada, uh, because it it was a you know a thriving, it was full of of natural resources. It was short of labour. Uh, you know you could go there and imagine making your fortune. So Buenos Aires, the capital, is a very very fine city with a fine opera house with lots of country clubs. Uh, the only overseas branch of Harrods on on its main shopping street. All of this was a sign of how prosperous it was. And and there was a, an expression in in French. You know, rich comme comme un Argentin. You know, as rich as an Argentinian. So, it's it's very hard to think back to that time and to understand what happened. But even in the 1930s, the per capita GDP in Argentina was comparable with Canada. So, since then, it's been a kind of terrible round of, you know, it, essentially Argentina has lurched between two political forces. One is Peronism which is a kind of statist, you know, it's sort of born out of, if you like, its enemies would call it either communist or fascist. It involves, you know, integrating trade unions, very heavy state policy, nationalising currencies and essentially protection. And the right wing, which until now never really got elected as such or had great difficulty getting elected, so they tended to come to power through uh, military coups. And the military would would they favoured uh, market economics, uh, linking the currency to the dollar. You know, a much more libertarian, uh, liberal approach to the economy. And they lurched between these two. So, for example, uh, Menem, who was who was you know he was a Peronist, but he was he was pretty 
right wing, did a lot of privatization uh, in order to, because he also came to power in the course of a, of, a, of a crisis. So, for example, the oil company was privatized. And then Christina, another Peronist, comes in and nationalizes it. So now Millet is talking about privatization again. So you can see that, you know, there's been this kind of swinging violently from one extreme to the other. And, and meanwhile, the kind of general health of the economy has continued to slide. So when the right wing were in power in the military dictatorship, they linked the peso to the dollar. So it was a strong currency. So Argentinians went out and spent a lot of money abroad. And that created a huge deficit and the economy collapsed and the exchange rate went crazy. The same cycle happened under Menem, who actually linked the peso to the dollar by law. So he effectively made it, you know, legally at par with the dollar. So people started saving in in pesos, which they'd never done before. When was that? So Menem left power just shortly before the sovereign default, so in the late 90s. So his period, he actually linked the Argentine currency to the dollar. And again, people went out and and spent money all over the world because they had a strong currency, the, the huge deficit built up. And then suddenly it all collapsed and people couldn't get their money out of the bank. Uh, they were down beating on the doors of the bank with hammers trying to trying to get some funds back and when the money came back it had devalued by three or four hundred percent so you know they wiped out the middle class savings essentially in 2001 and since then we've had repeated cycles of trying to recover which have involved IMF loans they've involved trying to settle on the creditors from 2001 it's gone on and on and on and we narrowly avoided a default in in the summer of this year when the IMF negotiated a little more leeway so as to have some political stability for the elections but any minute now you know they, it's more than 40 billion that the IMF is owed and they're going to have to have a serious talk with Malay about how that's going to be repaid. So in the context of all this, you know, we've gone round and round and round this roundabout again and again with Argentina. Each cycle, people get poorer, or at least most people get poorer. Some people make a lot of money. And this time round, it looks as though, and economists look at the Millet program and they say, this is going to be a terrible shock. So again, you'll have another shock in which People are impoverished, they lose their jobs, and, you know, it's very hard to see how you achieve that peacefully, politically. The kind of standout part of that economic programme is this plan for dollarization. That's what's been sort of widely discussed. Can you just explain again what that would involve and why, in this moment now, people are so worried about it? We, at the moment, we have inflation running at 140-plus uh, percent. And the outgoing government has been meeting its uh, budget deficit by printing money. Hence, we have the inflation. So Millet's answer to this is to do away with the central bank, do, a, do away with the capacity of Argentina to print its own currency, so do away with inflation. And, you know, that would work. The problem is that Argentina doesn't have any dollars. So if you want to have the dollar, you know, as your national currency, you have to have some dollars in the bank. And Argentina has no dollars in the bank. So it's clearly, you know, (laughs) nobody can come up with a way of doing this. And it was notable that although he's talked about this all the way through the election campaign, Millet didn't actually mention it in his victory speech. So, you know, he may be like the dog who chased the 
car and finally caught it and then didn't know what what to do with it. So it, it's it's very hard to see how he can enact uh, what he's promised to enact. But the odd thing is, and before he before this election, uh, it was widely predicted that were he to be elected, there would be a kind of stock market crash and the currency would tank and all of that. None of that has happened yet. I mean, we're only a few days in. He's not yet in power. But there hasn't been uh, a crash. In fact, the markets have risen. And there have been a lot of very positive noises from very wealthy people in Argentina who may well be the people who would benefit uh, from dollarization. But uh, and nevertheless, you know, several hundred economists have written that this is really, you know, unimaginable policy and very hard to implement. We'll see. After the break, we'll talk more about Argentina's radical new president and what his government might mean for Argentina and the world. But first, I'd like to tell you about a special seasonal offer. We're discounting the price of an annual digital subscription by 50%, meaning you can read all of Prospect's rigorously fact-checked journalism for a whole year for just £25. To take advantage of this great deal, please visit prospectmagazine.co.uk slash bf. Be quick, though. The offer ends on Monday, the 27th of November. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. What about some of his other policy proposals? As you sort of said at the beginning, he had plans to you know, cut back the state, essentially. Has he talked about that since being elected? He has talked about that, yes. And he, you know, he had, the, he's he's very showy. So he had this, you know, kind of, he had this video in which he had all the um, Argentine ministries in stickers on the wall and he would tear them off and, you know, people would cheer. And he so he would tear off the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Culture, the Ministry of Environment, all gone, gone. And you think, well, yeah, OK. Um, it's quite hard to see how the state will function. Actually, you know, public spending uh, in Argentina, government spending as a share of GDP, isn't monstrous. They talk, the right wing talk as though it's monstrous, it's about 38%. That's not completely uh, monstrous. But if you if you do abolish ministries and you do away with the functions of the state, you know, again, it's the poor who are going to be hit. 
Um, but, you know, there's this desperation in Argentina that, that all other remedies appear to have failed. So so let's back somebody, however implausible, who who promises something completely different. He's certainly promising something completely different. And he has talked about that. He's talked about, you know, being radical since he was elected. This is no time for, you know, half measures, etc., etc. So if he's to deliver anything of what he's promised, we can expect at least the cuts to um, public expenditure, the cuts to the ministries to happen. To do anything else and to do anything that requires legislation, that's going to be more complicated because, you know, again... He's going to have to build coalitions. He's going to have to work with other politicians. And we don't see very much you know, evidence that he has done that in the past or that he's going to be any good at doing it. His entire campaign was pushing to extremes. And he has a whole social agenda, which is going to, again, alienate other politicians. So he's very anti-feminist. He's proposing to ban abortion. He thinks climate change is uh, nonsense. You know, there's a, there's a lot of baggage there, which won't make uh, forming political coalitions any easier. How healthy are Argentina's democratic institutions to manage a unusual um, right-wing leader who has, you know, untested political ideas? That's a very good question. And I, I I mean, I think I would have to say not that healthy. You know, Argentina has suffered from recurring military dictatorships. It's It got its democracy back, essentially, because of the Falklands War. Um, the, military, the last military junta fell. But even after the military were out of power formally, they continued to exercise influence on, on politics for some considerable time. Um, there is a fairly robust legal... Uh, system. Uh, but, you know, it's a volatile population. The things that make for a robust political system do include fairly robust political parties. And, and I, it's been extremely volatile in Argentina, as it has been elsewhere in that respect. So outside, you know, the electoral system, and Millet has scored a very convincing electoral victory, but the Peronists haven't gone away, and the Peronists have a lot of street power. You know, you can you can mobilize a very big demonstration if you want to as a Peronist leader, and they do it repeatedly. And if Millet's policies really are hitting workers, the unions will be out demonstrating. So my Argentine friends are concerned that this could degenerate quite quickly into cycles of violence that Argentina has seen before. Another difficult uh, policy, I think, would come from uh, his running mate. She's a lawyer from a military family. And she talks about the military people who were involved in the dirty war when it's pretty widely agreed some 30,000 people were disappeared. She contests this. She describes the military as victims of terrorism. And she really proposes to reverse the kind of verdict on the dirty war. Again, that is reopening an old wound in Argentina. And that's dangerous. That's a dangerous thing to do. So we're not nearly there yet. But it is, it is not out of the question that this election result could precipitate a series of events which could end in in violence. Argentina has a history of that. You know, it's been relatively stable, but this is a very destabilizing regime. 
one of Millet's notable comments since the election has been to talk about the Falklands. What do you make of his kind of casting doubt, putting into question again the status of of the Falklands? Well, no Argentine leader is ever going to say the Falklands are anything other than, than Argentina's. He also seemed to, you know, have some kind words to say for Maggie Thatcher, which is very unusual in Argentina, because she was the one, of course, who uh, recaptured the Falklands. It is possible, though, you know, again, we would be recycling history, that if things went very badly, he might decide that another adventure in the Falklands was worth it. That's what happened with uh, with the military junta when Galtieri was facing, you know, angry mobs in the Plaza de Mayo. Uh, he he launched, or they launched, the, the uh, assault on the Falklands. And within a week, they were facing cheering crowds in the Plaza de Mayo. So it does sort of work. But that adventure ended in defeat and the fall of of the military. So it's, you know, these throws of the dice are dangerous. It it could tempt him as a distraction from from politics uh, at home, but it doesn't solve anything. So, I, uh, you know, I think he's waving it as a, you know, as a kind of crowd-pleasing flag, but I, I wouldn't have thought it was a move that was imminent. Who will his allies be internationally? Oh, internationally, well, if, if depending on what happens in the United States next November, uh, Donald Trump was certainly sent him a warm note saying how proud he was. Um, Bolsonaro's out of power. Anyone on the far right, I think. So we've seen a kind of response from, you know, it, the Italian government, for example, has been cheering him on. And, and you know, various right-wing parties have sent congratulations. None of them actually in power, except for in Italy, but could be. He's been quite rude about China, actually. He said um, that China's, you know, an evil regime and he wouldn't want to do business with it. But he slightly wrote that back. Given that our, there are very big Chinese interests in Argentina, he he wrote that back to well maybe no new business with with China, but he doesn't seem to be pulling out of uh, existing deals, which as I say are quite significant. What kind of deals do they currently have? They oh gosh, they've got quite a lot. They've got a um, a space station in southern Argentina. They have uh, various extractive industries. They buy an awful lot of of grain of wheat. Um, they're building uh, a large dam, a large hydro dam. So, you know, it's a mixture of big uh, capital projects, uh, some, you know, strategic relationships and and quite a high volume of trade. So aside from actually quite a conventional Argentinian stance on the Falklands, what else do we know about his foreign policy and how he'll kind of look out into the world? That remains, again, slightly Malayish in that it's, you know, quite rhetorical uh, or was quite rhetorical. He said... Um, that he would visit both the United States and Israel very early, uh, visits that he described as a kind of pilgrimage. And he's due to visit the US, I think, quite soon, certainly before he takes over. He takes over in December. But he, he has planned a visit to the United States, as you know, almost any freshly elected president in Latin America still does. Beyond that, he's been extraordinarily rude about his neighbour, uh, the, the president of Brazil, whom he described as a communist. So that's kind of complicated, given that Argentina, Brazil and Uruguay are, you know, in a, a trade uh, arrangement with, with common tariffs and so on. Given that the European Union was 
in the course of negotiating an, a trade deal with Mercosur. So that's going to complicate it. I, I think as he gets into power and, you know, we, we see what he actually enacts as opposed to what he's talked about and how much risk he's prepared to take for his rhetoric, I would suspect that, you know, he will calm down on the abuse of the neighbours and he'll calm down on, you know, throwing out existing arrangements because he'll simply have quite a lot on his plate dealing with whatever he can get through of his uh, of his programme. Well, thanks very much, Isabel, for giving us a flavour of Javier Millet, Argentina's new president. We'll be sure to come back to this to find out whether things do in fact calm down or perhaps things get a little bit more uh, un- unpredictable as we go along. So thanks very much. It's a pleasure. It's certainly going to be an interesting ride in Buenos Aires and well worth watching. Thanks so much to Isabel for joining us on this episode. If you want to check out the piece that Isabel wrote for our website ahead of the election, then do visit prospectmagazine.co.uk to read it in full. While you're there, you'll also find the latest long reads, columns and criticism from our December issue, including perspectives from Khaled Mansour and the former leader of the Israeli Knesset, Avraham Berg, on the war in Gaza. You'll also find Sam Friedman's writing about the COVID inquiry and much, much more. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to hit follow or subscribe to catch an in-depth conversation on the stories behind the news each and every week. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.